0: Renowned oceanographer Steve Zisu has sworn vengeance upon the rare shark that devoured a member of his crew. This is Movie Time Machine.
1: Hey and welcome to Movie Time Machine where we take movies from the past and relive them in the present. This week's movie is The Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu, released in the year 2004, directed by and written by Wes Anderson and Noah Bombach. But before we get into this week's movie discussion box office ratings and reviews, let's go around the table and do some introductions.
2: Hey, this is James here. Hey, this is Jamie. Hello, this is Chris.
0: Yes, this is Casey.
1: And I'm your Time Machine host, Chad. I want to welcome you to... The one-year anniversary episode of Movie Time Machine, where we go into our third movie in the Wes Anderson series that we're covering, Life Aquatic. Before we get into our movie discussion, why don't we uh, go around the table, too. What have you been watching lately?
2: Uh, Well, this is James. I mean, I clearly have been watching The Floor is Lava on Netflix. I don't know about anybody else. Wait, what is that? It's exactly what it sounds like. Thing? It's a game show that where adults oh. are playing Floor is Lava and they're jumping from furniture to furniture item and the ground is like a red liquid where if you fall in or hit the you know, assumingly water or Tahitian treat, whatever they might be, um, then they, you know, fade away or, you know, have to dunk themselves for about 10 seconds and then they cut away with their teammates going, no, and then they're down to like two players. Um, I want not play a, this game. There's a finish.
3: I saw that it was rated like number one or like top in like the top 10 on Netflix. So I started the first episode and I could not get through that first family. I just found them to be so annoying that I like immediately shut it off after about 15 minutes. Some of the teams are pretty brutal (laughs) to watch because you're getting frustrated. I hope they
2: change the camera view uh, for season two because they like the announcer, um, is going, or the narrator even is going, all right, from the chair to the coffee table, that's a five foot jump. They better be careful. And you're looking at him going, This dude's six feet. He could do a trust fall in land. Like, what is happening? And like, um, so some of it gets a little frustrating, but um, it's just an easy, mindless watch. That's why I, like Megan was not on board uh with watching it at all. And then after like the first two episodes, so, like where she's like, I could easily do my taxes and watch this and be entertained enough. You know what I mean? So that's how I kind like, of <laughs> Got her to involved. So yeah, it's mindless, but uh, that's what I've been watching.
4: I think I'll wait like ten years until they do like the most extreme elimination challenge version of Flora's lava.
1: Real with lava. Dubbed- with real lava.
4: <laughs> with real lava. Fair, like yeah, like where there's paintball guns involved, like the lava's
2: shooting at us. <laughs>
1: yeah. Shh, well there goes Tanner. <laughs> <laughs> Missed that five foot jump. It's That's okay he was the middle the child. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he signed to
2: release. It's fun. That's the best part is like they like the jumps where they f- like totally fail or miss because they're trying so hard to land things and then all of a sudden just like smash their face against like a table and like fall into the lava. It's probably my favorite part.
3: Well, I just started Community on Netflix. I am in season 2. I'm enjoying it. It's pretty good. I love all ah. the uh, I don't know, the odes to different like old timey <clears throat> movies. Um yeah, it's been really interesting to watch. I've enjoyed it a ton. And I love Chevy Chase in it. He's super funny. And I didn't know anything about Joel McHale except for when he did the soup. Um oh, so, the soup was great. Yeah, so I um I'm surprised to see like I enjoy I enjoy his character and uh, yeah, so it's been super fun to watch.
1: Yeah, I think yeah, community I think I gets that better. better, like yeah each season it just continues to get better. I just remember when that was on, that was always like it's canceled or it's not canceled. <laughs> oh, it's getting canceled. Then it would, I don't know. It was kind of, that show was always teetering on, on the edge of getting canceled. It did get canceled. Then it came back again, but yeah, it was an awesome show.
0: Did you get to any of the paintball episodes yet?
1: Um, yeah, just uh, one. Oh, there's one more. So it <laughs> gets even better.
0: Oh God. There's there. Yeah. Or what about, did you get to the uh the blanket Ford episode? Yes. yep Oh gosh, that one was so ridiculous. I love. Yeah, that. Sorry, I just finished and talk
3: about community. You know, to bring it back to like the the individual, um, the director. Oh shoot, Chad. Who is the director of this?
1: Yeah, who, uh, who directed this? Chaz Chaz Sanderson, Chaz Lerman, <laughs>
3: West what? what West Bentley. <laughs> yeah, I like Chaz Lerman. <laughs> um, yeah, Wes Anderson. No. Um, To bring it back to Wes Anderson, um, in the movies, like I just finished the episode, it was the uh, Christmas Claymation episode. Oh yeah, that was good. In season two. So, that was super fun.
0: Yeah, so we're not watching anything specific, but uh, the last few weeks, I've had this weird, I don't know if I'm just, it's like the same, this time of year for me, uh, my wife and I used to travel a lot, and we found ourselves in um both scotland and ireland around the summer the two times that we've gone and i've been having like crazy vivid flashbacks and thinking like man i would love to just own a cottage on the coast of scotland so i've been finding like house hunters episodes where they're buying stuff out in those countries so that's what i've been watching lately
1: fun i've been man i've been actually watching a lot of uh animated stuff <laughs> Of course, always, but I've been kind of just watching it, like sitting, you know, like on the couch, randomly catching only catching Univ- uh, Steven Universe, um, my son has been watching that, and what a, it's, the last season was in 2019, season five, but man, what a pretty progressive animated show, I think that's, I think it's rated like, was it like TY7 or something like that, but uh, yeah. Uh, what is what is TY7? I think for seven years in a oh, while or sure. something like that whatever that rating is. so but, I, but actually the show I've been really getting into lately has been uh, High Maintenance on HBO. Which is, what is that about? Why do I know that? That sounds familiar. I've
3: not heard it's, of it.
1: The premise is like uh, about a a weed dealer that like he's like a bike messenger weed dealer guy. But I avoided watching this show or even giving it a chance because like, oh, it's just like, oh, it's just a guy that's like, you know, it's about him dealing weed to these people. But it's like, so much more than that (laughs) it's really interesting it just kind of like introduces all these different characters throughout the season and just how their paths kind of intertwine and the the kind of catch of like how all these people are connected because he says that um he'll only take referrals if he wants to deal with somebody so somebody that he deals to um has to refer him so it's that's kind of a hidden part of the plot but just it's kind of just cool little simple experiences that um, kind of ordinary. How long are the episodes think, on HBO? They're, they're like twenty minutes. See, yeah, I think that's minutes. why I knew about this because I heard
0: about it because it wasn't this just a web show for a while. I think this was just like a YouTube oh, show, really? and then okay. it got picked up by HBO.
1: That, and I, th- yeah, I think I didn't watch sense. it, but
0: I think I had it on my list that I should go watch.
1: Yeah, it's really good. Like I'm just, it's really funny, and like some episodes get kind of heavy, but yeah, it's it's pretty funny and i would definitely check that out if you get a chance. So
0: so Yeah, we're always looking for short like things to watch right before going to bed, especially if you're watching like a heavy series. Like if for anyone that watched I mean, all of you guys probably watched Breaking Bad, but there's no way you can watch an episode of that and then go right to bed. Right? You need no. to like, watch something lighthearted. <laughs> so we're always looking for short things. Is this lighthearted enough to be our right before
1: bed show? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, Sweet. for sure. Then have you have you ever watched Shits Creek? Yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing. My wife did, um, oh. but I was like
0: working while she was watching it. Yeah, um, and it was from what I watched, uh, it was super funny.
1: Yeah, that was that nice. was her.
0: That was her show. Uh, she's been going through Ozark right now, which is super heavy. Um oh, That was yeah. her. Like, uh, you got to watch something nice and light before going to bed with Shit's
4: Creek.
1: On to the topic of the show. What Jamie
4: didn't go. What? Yeah, he did. I mean, I chimed in. Oh. And I didn't did go.
1: Oh. Well, what are you watching, homie? Yeah.
4: Oh, thanks, guys. I thought you would never ask. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> Is it a reality That'd series, like Survivor? <laughs> no,
4: it is not. Not actually this time. It's, um... What was
2: that last one you had, like, Life or something? Or
4: Naked? The Circle? The... No, was it the was The Naked and Afraid? No, it was Alone. That was the last, last one. Alone. Alone was <laughs> the last alone. one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. No, this one. Um, have you guys seen the trailer for A King of Staten Island?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yes. Yeah, we did the theater at home of that. Um what was that? Just a couple nights ago and I I really liked it. It was um you know like it wasn't Shakespeare but I haven't seen an Apatow movie in a while and I I like Pete Davidson. You know, I I think like That's I I don't always get spent it. 1999 on him. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I know. But what I think more than anything else it was cool to just like I love going to the movies so to see something new. Like it's hard to explain that feeling when you've been stuck in your house for so long, but just like I wanted to see it in the theater but now it's in my house. I don't know. We usually don't do that. So that was different. On I, you I purposely just don't watch things so that everything seems new to me decades after it comes out. I
1: know. <laughs> Being a hermit. Uh, Jamie, I'll, give be a hermit.
2: <laughs> I'll give what was that to you. I'm looking for new con- I'm give- I'm looking for new content myself. So I-, I could see myself doing that if it was the right movie
4: yeah yeah it was just a different feeling yeah is Bill Burr in that yeah he's so funny too he's he's great <laughs> in that movie
3: yeah that movie I, I saw the trailer and I thought it looked really good and apparently it's like um, uh, loosely related onto uh, Pete Davidson's life like um, which is really interesting that to know that it's not directly a, like a biopic but it's loosely related kind of crazy
4: yeah, it walks that line too of he's he's acting, but that also makes it real too. So it 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 has those really high highs of being funny, and I wouldn't call them low lows. But the the more serious moments, you you feel them that much more because you know kind of what happened to him and his family. So yeah, I I really liked it. I would recommend it.
3: We should also talk Question. about that we are on the eve of the Hamilton movie being released tomorrow on Disney Plus, which I'm really excited. Is that for.
0: tomorrow?
3: It is, tomorrow. To it I is tomorrow. I can finally see Hamilton was, now, guys.
2: I cannot I was text wait. To side now. bet if Chris brought that up or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, not Yeah, dude, I'm on. I'm on board. I've been. Uh, I I'm bad at. I love musicals, and I'm bad at following the story unless I can see it. So it's hard for me. I haven't been able to get into Hamilton because I haven't given it a proper listen. Um, so I'm I'm excited to actually be able to like see it and experience it. It'll probably be um, more opera than play. Uh, the way that they're doing it, I'm sure, but just seeing people and hearing the songs, um I'm super stoked.
1: yeah, from what I seen from the trailer, it looks pretty cool how they they f- they filmed it. so yeah, I'm curious to see how that's gonna play out. Yeah, did they do the original I cast
3: I walk into it. Yeah, it's the original yes. cast. Nice. <clears throat> yeah. and not to get they're like, like to musical nerdy, like e.
2: Davidson. Stop
3: it. I'm going to get musical nerdy
0: on you. My favorite musical is Les Mis and the best recording ever was this like anniversary special crystal note. I'm talking about dreamcast Um, where they kind of did it. Yeah. The dreamcast. They did it more of an opera, less of a play um, because then you can focus on the music. And that was kind of the vibe I got from the trailers I saw, but I'm sure it'll be a lot more acting and action than,
1: uh, than the Les Mis one, but I'm excited. Please be excited. All right, cool. Looking forward to that. Now, on to the topic of the week, "Life Aquatic with Steve Sisu, Um directed by Wes Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold on, who, who directed this? Wes Craven. <laughs> the Sanderson sisters. Uh, yeah, uh, also written by Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach, who also co-wrote... Uh, Squid and the Whale with Wes Anderson. And he also wrote um, The Marriage Story movie, which is on Netflix. And music by Glenn, Mark Motherwell. Speaking Mother of writing again. credits, yeah. this
0: is the first, um, I think, uh, I think this is the first Wes Anderson movie he didn't co-write with Owen Wilson. From what I read, I think Owen Wilson wrote all the other films with him up until this one.
2: I think, yeah, it's accurate, too, if I remember yeah. correctly.
1: It's just crazy. I had no idea before doing these Wes Anderson movies. But, cool. Yeah, because what? But what was before this? Then was uh, Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, Tenon Bombs. Then this.
0: Yeah, this was after Tenon Bombs and yeah. after Fantastic Mister Fox.
1: because the
0: uh, I believe. Did you know was Fantastic? Oh, you know what? I don't know. No, he worked with another no. animator who. Oh no, he mo- wasn't it. Bombok I don't remember who he worked. It with was
1: Bombach on that one. Yeah, Bombach
0: did that one too.
2: Okay. So also when reading, like, who wrote this? I was like, or I'm like, okay, Wes Anderson, and then Noah Bombach, and the first person that came to mind, I'm like, the guy that plays Hiccup from How to Train Your Dragon, like, but I'm like, oh no, that's Jay Brochelle, or however you pronounce his name. Yeah. That was what? Just me. Oh, <laughs> that cool was, story, James.
4: <laughs> I've never been to Mount Vesuvius. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Is it because they kind of right. look the same a little bit?
2: <clears throat> no, just just the name. I'm like, who is that? And like, I don't know. So I think the last name kind of threw me off, like where I couldn't figure out who it was. So it wasn't anything about looks. It was just the name itself. And I just thought it was the guy from She's Not That Into You or whatever, or out of your oh. league or whatever it was called. So you,
1: you like Red Square, but we're thinking Triangle.
2: Correct. That is gotcha. correct. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, okay, <laughs> And on with the show. Um, so who directed this? Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, is it tarantino t- music by mark mark Mothersbaugh again so he's this is like quite a few movies that he's done for wes love the soundtrack for this gets like that very kind of like electro like techno vibe to it like minimal it's funny um, that
0: that he gets music credits when really it was mostly sue george and other artists right
1: yeah right, like, right. yeah maybe he scored some of the scenes, maybe like original music or yeah yeah And this is the first movie George. Wow. Oh, I know. Amazing. I think this was like the movie that turned me on, not turned me on to David Bowie. Like I was, I I knew who David Bowie was, but like actually got me into David Bowie more than I had been before this movie. Cause like all the songs I started recognizing, I'm like, Oh, they're all like David Bowie songs. So fun fact, (laughs) it was, the cast, Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, again, uh, Kate Blanchett, Angelica Houston, uh, William Defoe, which is this is like the third movie I've watched in a row with like William Defoe in it. Um, so, like this, then we had Budapest, then uh, Jamie and I are planning to cover the White House, and he's in that as well. And Jeff Goldblum. So, can I quick thoughts on Jeff Goldblum? Is he. I love like, Jeff Goldblum. Love. Nothing is he great. kind of falling off the earth, or am I just not paying attention? Oh, no, he was in Ragnarok. Oh,
2: Ragnarok oh, I mean, no doesn't count as a movie. What do you mean yeah, it but doesn't it was, count as a movie? Was
1: it was filmed with a, a camera a movie. and played in a movie theater. What? It's not. It's a car, it's a cartoon. What? But, but you said yourself earlier, you've you <laughs> so been watching Holbro. a shitload of cartoons. I know. I'm just I was at an insult. It's just my opportunity to trash on Marvel films. No, if you uh, not, you I haven't
0: did, seen that because you haven't watched Marvel films, right? You haven't seen good. Thor Ragnarok.
1: Yeah, I stopped at Thor.
0: Oh yeah. Even oh, if you hate yeah, all Marvel, wait, Marvel movies, Thor. Thor Ragnarok is fun for anyone. That movie is just hilarious. Even if you don't sure. like Marvel and you haven't watched any of them, I think it's it would hold up to anybody. And uh, Thor
2: and okay. Captain America, like, are the worst Marvel movies, in my opinion. But this the sequel for Captain yes. America is much better and Thor doesn't get good until Ragnarok. <laughs>
4: facts but yeah jeff facts. goldblum in
0: ragnarok i mean jeff goldblum just plays the same person just with different costumes and makeup and right. so i guess if you yeah. don't like him you don't like him anywhere but if you like him you like him everywhere
1: i feel like he just kind of plays himself <laughs> yeah yeah oh 100 yeah, 100%. Much. yeah no, i know i love jeff goldblum i just was thinking i was like where his i feel like he was kind of like late 90s early aughts i feel like he was in like everything he just kind of
3: really i Maybe never released like an eight. album last year i
1: just feel What's like up? outside of jurassic
3: park or outside of um oh man what is the uh the will smith aliens movie independence day like those are the, i feel like his two biggest movies
0: uh did you not see the fly yeah <laughs> uh, fair um, i'm not being facetious he wasn't no, that
3: he was yeah yeah, yeah i
0: don't know right, now I'll i have to like, look
3: I feel like Jeff Goldblum has always been kind of like he like was just never like never made it. He was in decent stuff, but like he was always just in like under the radar things.
0: Yes, he was in your Igby Goes Down film. I know. Well, I didn't. I haven't seen that. <laughs> I'm just telling you what you should know. <laughs> you know what? I think what happened is he got a cult following from Jurassic Park, and then he yes. just got brought in cameo roles. And you know what? I like the cameo roles. They work for me. Maybe he's happy with that.
1: Yeah. maybe so I don't know. Maybe great. it was for the amount of, of money he was makes like a, for the a run there where he was time? like in everything I was watching, but not saying that he was playing a, a large role in it, but he was in the invasion yeah. of the body snatchers. Oh, that's right.
4: Like the 70s one, right? He's super young.
0: Yeah, he was uh, freak number one in Death Wish in 1974. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, credited as freak
4: number one. Freak. Freak. I don't know if you guys have Disney Plus, but he has a show on there. Has anyone seen that?
1: that the world according to or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I watched like one episode. I don't know if I made it through all the way, but yeah, you're right. It's just Jeff
4: Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum doing Jeff Goldblum things. It's pretty good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> there was a really funny one. I think it's like Barbecue is the episode. How topical for our previous episode, but yeah, it's just like him in the Connecticut woods with a bunch of rednecks and th- that was fun. That's worth the price of admission alone.
1: <laughs> Which one was that?
4: It's uh, it's like episode five or six. It's the oh, episode just okay. titled like barbecue or grilling or something. Yeah, check that right. one out if you're going to watch just <laughs> one episode.
1: All right, will do. Marked, saved. All right, so this film, uh, let's go in the box office quick. Um had a budget of $50 million but only pulled in $34.8 million worldwide, which kind of blows my mind, but... This released on December tenth of two thousand four. Uh, Ebert gave it two and a half stars. Rotten Tomatoes it has a critic score of fifty percent, fifty six percent, eighty two percent audience score. IMDb has an average seven point three out of ten score. Then on Letterboxd, the average is three point seven out of five.
0: I want to ask about Rotten Tomatoes quick. Do they not like so obviously the critic review happens when it comes out. Those never get modified right. though because from what I've read, uh, yeah, it got dragged by critics, but like since it's been reviewed decades, like a decade later, what is it, 15 years ago now? Um, it's been like, you know, people look at it a lot more fondly. So it's funny that they don't... Uh, I guess people don't re-review movies anymore, so those numbers are kind of stagnant for older movies.
1: Yeah, which is... Uh, that's... I mean, I... <laughs> I really don't like Rotten Tomatoes, but that's what I I kind of like just seeing the difference between that critic score and audience score. Just to see, especially when there's a a large gap in this the like how people view that movie or like you said, Casey, how like how maybe perception or thoughts on the film have changed over time. Like when you go back and look at it. Yeah, I don't what else came out in two thousand four? What was it up up, up against? I think that's the year like Anchorman came out, and I was looking at. The, the
0: top grossing films, and they were, it was bad. There wasn't a lot of, the top grossing films I thought were awful. The majority of them were sequels. Like Shrek 2 was the highest grossing film in 2004. Spider-Man 2, number 3. Ouch. Ocean's 12, number 10. What is that garbage?
1: Is that the one that no one likes? Yeah, it's the worst yeah. of them. The worst so of them. So it's
0: 11, then 13, then 12. 12, you can just like, skip.
1: Yeah, I feel like I know the plot of that film now from, I feel like that's come up a couple times. Yeah, Is that the one it's with so the it's the actress that plays herself in the film? It's some weird kind of like.
4: Julia Roberts, yeah. Julia Roberts, all right. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, this was a rough movie year. This was the Million Dollar Baby Best Picture year. I mean, that movie was fine, but I didn't want to like watch it all over again. I don't know. Yeah,
3: but I feel like that's a thing that the Oscars did a bunch. Like, how many Oscar movies are you like, oh, I want to watch that over and over? Like, Moonlight, great movie. How many times are you going to watch that on repeat?
4: Fair. <laughs> I've seen The Departed about a dozen times, though.
3: Yeah, it's probably uh, the best movie ever. Right, Chad?
1: No, I, I would disagree. Oh, you're that right. Second
3: terrible. best movie ever.
1: No, not even close. <laughs> I would say that's probably one of uh, Scorsese's worst movies.
3: Just out of curiosity, how do you feel about <laughs> gangs in New York?
1: How do I feel? Yeah. Um, I don't think I've watched. Did all someone of pick I Scorsese could... as a
0: director? Did he direct Life Aquatic?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I do want. To, I actually do want to hear what your answer to the question. I'm just being an <laughs> asshole.
1: <laughs> I haven't actually. I've only. I haven't, Seeing all of gangs in New York. Oh, okay. So is that is that your worst Scorsese film?
3: No, I love it. I think it's really good. Really? Yeah. Mm. Daniel Day Lewis. You can't beat him. He's pretty amazing and everything.
1: Yeah, he is. I like seeing. You know, and that's
0: that's actually funny because as I was watching this movie, I think I not that I figured it out right, but I think I understand better the difference between my um, taste in film. And uh, film and tv shows and things like that and and uh how different it is from like chris's and why i think he probably hasn't enjoyed any of these films um i think we're like the yin and yang right i think chris um when you're watching a movie you want something kind of realistic right like you kind of want realistic dialogue actual interactions between people and i uh this like this movie, that's and maybe this is why Life Aquatic is like one of my hands-down favorite movies. This is like exactly what I want. I want some. I want whimsy, right? I know we have said that word a few times. I want that like fun story, um, but it also has some heart to it. It also has some emotion to it, and there is some like human element of like growth. Uh, and that's kind of all of Wes Anderson movies kind of have, uh, you know, a, a central like every character is either has dad issues or is a dad with issues or is, you know, they always have some sort of interpersonal problem and then that's just not even the focal point of the whole movie. It's just kind of a side detail, um, but you see them grow throughout the movie. And I think, yeah, I think I, I I'm curious to hear what Chris thinks about this specifically. Cause yeah. I, uh, I had the yeah. feeling that I, I love this movie and he's going to be like, yeah, this is
1: boring. Yeah. Why don't we, so let's just dive into the, the movie conversation right here. So is this been the first time for anybody, anyone that's watched this film? It's like a first-timer club, first time for somebody? Or has everyone seen this movie before?
3: I hadn't seen it before. I think yeah, this I'd is the one I
0: picked, even though everyone had seen it, because it was my favorite. Otherwise, I would Okay, wouldn't.
4: yeah, that's right. Yeah. I remember that. I, I actually okay. I haven't seen it before. This is my first time.
1: Oh, great. Oh. oh right, why don't we... It? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why don't... we? Well, Jamie, why don't, do you mind yeah. us diving in then to kind of, for sure, let's get your first impressions on it, then we can yeah. go into Chris's feelings on this and we'll just kind of go from there.
4: Yeah, you bet. um, I, so I think I said before that, um, I, I thought I had seen a lot more of Wes Anderson's films than I had, um, but. That was not true. It was Budapest and Tenenbaum's. Um, I remember when this came out, and all I remember about this movie is the trailer and like Bill Murray doing that funny dance and the music kind of plays. And that was like the only memory I had of this. But um, I was like, oh, that looks kind of funky and weird. You know, I was excited to see it. And I, you know, my first, like the first half an hour, I thought it was really slow. And he, he does this thing and I got to start trusting him because I'm like, all right, Wes, like, where are we going? You know, we're out in the sea. I don't know if the Jaguar shark is real. Um, You know, we're making a movie. But at, once the movie was over, I really, you know, I, I just, like I said, I got to start trusting him. I appreciated the ride. I was like, this was not my favorite Wes Anderson movie, but I want to watch it again. Like, it's like that weird kid in class who you know you you meet them and um god this is not a good metaphor i don't know where this is going but
3: <laughs> like i trust you i trust you i trust
4: yeah yeah but you become friends with them it's like we're going to be friends you know that's how i felt when i was watching this i was like i you know it's it, i i i got it by the end of the movie and i was like oh you know what that was kind of fun after all i i do want to see this again so um i would say yeah initially i was skeptical but by the end, um, I was on board and uh, looking forward to seeing it two or three times. And I think, like, kicking it to Chris, um, have you seen this before? Yeah, I have. Okay. Did you like it more this time or did you like no. it the first time? I
3: think, like, I did, I He's, think that... No, this... God, no.
4: <laughs> Stop, no. Uh,
3: no no means no. So, <laughs> so I think that this movie has always just been okay for me. I don't think I, you know for lack of a better phrasing, like, get it. Um, I really struggle with Wes Anderson's, like, style. Um, just, like, visually, things in, like, little pieces. I feel like there's always these, like, really bright colors. There, Everything is really vivid. There are things that, like, I just that things that just don't make sense to me that like make the movie's very campy. So for instance, you know, at the beginning of the movie you have the guy who's basically giving like the little synopsis about what they're going to see. He leaves the stage and then you just have like the stagehand come out and like grab the microphone and then in like the middle of the interview, like maybe 5 minutes later, he comes out and just like drops a like a craft of water on the table as, you know, Steve Zissou is being um is being interviewed. And like, these are things like, I just, I don't get it. Like there's no purpose to that. It doesn't make a point. And it just feels, it feels campy to me. And I think those are the two big things. I would say why I struggle with Wes Anderson is just his visual style in the campiness of the movies. I think that the writing, it was decent. I think the story is decent. There was multiple times where like, I would laugh out loud or I thought there was like funny, you know, interchanges or exchanges between, um, between the players and the movie. But I think like, there's so many things that are just distracting to me that it takes me out of it or that like the movie becomes so campy that it takes me out of it. Um, Another, for instance, would be um, when Steve Zissou is being, um, interviewed by the reporter and the entire time there's that whale like the killer whale behind him like dancing <laughs> and like it is so distracting to me and i just do not understand what that like the purpose of that being in the background is and so i guess again just- i
1: saw that scene and i thought chris is gonna think this scene is distracting it's so stupid i love that sense scene. Sense I think you to were gonna I say think, something about that scene yeah, yeah. But- i think it's meant to be distracting but that's the part of his style that you're saying that you well, like, don't get, Chris? Well, I don't, I don't, yeah. I mean, or clearly I don't or... get it.
3: There are people who really like Wes Anderson. But yeah, I think like my my issues with Wes Anderson is just like his, the visual pieces that he does, the, like how vibrant the colors are. Like there's just, I don't there's just stylistically, there are things that like just, I don't, I don't under, I don't appreciate or I don't like, or that like just, um, instinctively kind of rub me the wrong way or that um yeah so i think like those are kind of the big things i just feel like it's campy but if like i ended up giving this movie a three out of five on letterbox i thought like the story was higher than i thought you would have yeah i mean i was going yeah i was going back and forth between two and a half and three and i ended up giving it a three like i thought i thought it was decent but again like even like Again, even like that whole submarine scene, like where you have all of these people jam packed, like that is a very like intentional decision to make like that scene and that that visual in like, yeah, I don't know. But I feel like that is like that is Wes Anderson through and through. I feel like that's, you know, what he did with Moonrise Kingdom. I feel like he has a very like specific way um, that he does the camera. I mean, one of my favorite shots in the entire Um, movie is like him talking about the boat and like walking us through each area of the boat. Like that whole shot is really, really cool and well done. Um, But yeah, I guess, you know, going back to what you're saying, Casey, I think that's a big part of it is like, I think of the movies that I really like about with Wes Anderson, like Rushmore is one of them because it does feel real more like more realistic. It doesn't feel as, as campy or or whimsy as you would like to say. Um,
0: Well, I think the whimsy is more subtle. Right. I think Max's character is the whimsy because he's this larger than life kid, but it's all Mm -hmm. wrapped into a more subtle, it's his personality as opposed to claymation animals, you know? So I I definitely agree with you that that would be probably the most accessible if you're not down with the the
3: weirdness.
1: Right. Yeah. I want to, you know, how you're saying like the colors are so vivid. But one thing that I see in that though, everything also looks worn and, like, lived in. It's not on new and shiny sets. It's this feeling that everything has has existed and it wasn't just created for this movie. That's the kind of, I mean... So when you th- say like colors are vivid, like you're just saying that.
3: I think they're bright. Like it, they always look like, you know,
1: like you a know lot of you yellow, a, a lot of orange.
3: Yeah. And I was going to say like, you know, when you have a photographer that like basically after they take the photo, they digitally enhance it and they kind of make the colors more true or like a deeper color. I think or contrast, you want higher
0: contrast. Yeah. You're and about. like,
3: that's what I think. Like his is always to a hundred in my eyes is like everything is like very, very Uh, loud or vibrant or uh, electric or whatever you, however you phrasing you want to use. But I feel like it's very um, yeah, it is very, very colorful and very like, I don't know, like it's just a very like deep color or high contrast or whatever you want to, however you want to say it. But I feel like that is like, that is a visual cue that I can pick up on every single one of his movies. Quite frankly, I also think if you look at like the first 10 to 15 minutes of JoJo Rabbit, I felt the exact same way. I was like, oh my God, this feels like a Wes Anderson movie because it was a little bit campy. It was a little bit um like the colors were really bright, really vivid, really deep. Um and like, yeah, like anytime that I see that, like it immediately makes me think like Wes Anderson.
0: I haven't seen Jojo. Does that like fade away as the story goes on? Or does it did, did you just kind of get past that because there isn't as much, you know, whimsy and weirdness going on that it just becomes kind of secondary?
2: The in my whimsy and weirdness and jojo
3: yeah throughout but i think okay. it fades away it it ends up being le- it it dampens sure well it's you funny you bring
0: point? that up because i think well when you bring right. up the colors of west i think each movie like has a tint to it oh yeah. and it's like he he so i for Grand life budapest aquatic it's purple. very much like a yellow blue yep purple for budapest i think tenenbaums was a very pink and almost yeah, pink gray yeah yeah pink and red yeah yeah So I think it's absolutely
3: intentional, yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. And so, again, like, I look at it and I think, like, that is a stylistic piece. But, again, like, I think the the story and, like, I think overall it was interesting. Again, I think stylistically there are some things that I struggled with. But I wouldn't say it, like, kept me engaged the entire time. I think that this movie struggles with pacings in some areas. Um, I think it's slow um, to start. I think yeah i mean i just i think it struggles with pacing it uh it i struggled to to continue like to stay focused and engaged with the movie um personally but yeah i don't know it was it was fun to to go back and watch it i mean it's a pretty star-studded cast i love bill murray um and so again i think he makes that character um but again, like that yeah, just... character
1: was like written specifically for Bill yeah. Murray.
3: Yeah, I mean, Wes Anderson and, and Bill must have like a really great relationship because they're they do a ton of. He's like in together. every one of his movies. Yeah, looks
1: <laughs> well, like all of these
0: guys, almost his whole cast yeah. is recurring. I mean, Willem Dafoe is in every one of his films. Angelica Houston. I mean, Owen oh, like Wilson a, a is almost set.
4: all of them. Yep.
0: I think Kate Planchette, is this the only one she did with Wes? I think she was the the odd one out more yeah, than I anyone else. And really I guess crazy. Jeff Goldblum, I don't think he's done anything else with him.
1: Well, he did this, and he did Budapest, and he did... Oh, you're right. Um, he, wasn't like, he in Mr.
0: Fox? He was in Fox, too. He was yeah. a... No, he was in um, <coughs> Isle of Dogs. He was a voice. Oh,
1: yeah. Yep.
2: Isn't Wes hit that like director status, though, Like where like you're going to see like DiCaprio at some point being like, hey, I did this movie because it was a Wes Anderson movie. I, like It was on yeah. his bucket list, Chad. Um, and... <laughs> But, like, you yeah. know, that's what I, how I feel about, like, where, like, Leo was in Tarantino movies, like, the first probably started of that was, to, like, hey, this is a director I haven't worked with, let's try this out, and hey, you know, like, he hasn't been in a Spielberg film, um, just trying, like, he's one of those directors where everybody knows his name at this point, because he's got a, he's got a very specific style, and that style is the, what Chad, you and Chris were talking about, was kind of like that, he finds 70s style furniture and gets it refurbished, so it's bright and has a story, <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, question, uh, Casey? Did you or did you not purchase or try to find the Adidas Steve Zissou shoes if they ever existed in real life?
0: So I'm I'm a I'm a bit of a poser. I didn't I wasn't a huge uh, I didn't see this movie until it had you know been out of the theaters and and uh, and been released or whatever. So no, I didn't ever own them. I wish that I did. Um, but we Chris and I have a friend. I think you guys have met him. Our friend Jake. He owns a pair of the uh, Adidas Zissou shoes, and I think he's. Kept them in a box in storage. Hell yeah. So if anyone sees one on an eBay, feel free to buy me an early Christmas present.
1: <laughs> Look now.
0: Well, we were talking about cast. Um, I think one of the... Uh, one of the... And maybe, maybe it's just not talked about a lot, or I don't know, but I think Owen Wilson in this movie is, like, phenomenal. The way he plays that Ned character. Like, just... I don't know. I think he nails it. The, you know, he obviously, like... You know, grew up without a dad. Had a mom who just committed suicide. So the, the all the emotion and character building is is there, and just I don't know the way the way that he presents everything. When he goes up and he uh, he slaps Klaus in the face, like his yeah. his the interactions with him and Klaus are, are hilarious. I love every time that they're on the screen together because it's such like a you know fighting over dad type of thing. So I yeah, I think uh, Owen Wilson like stole the show in this one for sure.
1: Yeah, I never. Yeah, I never really thought about, like, I I just, my focus was always on, uh, you know, Bill Murray mm-hmm. in this film. But, yeah, I never, now that you say that, like you were saying, the, the kind of southern kind of accent kind of threw me off at times. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I think that's the character I appreciated more watching this time than the first time.
2: I think this movie is very much, uh, if you like Tenenbaums, then you'll like or love life aquatic so like chris's favorite scene of the where they're talking about the ship and going through the different areas and rooms of the ship like it was straight out of tenenbaums when they're viewing the apartment or house that they lived in Mm -hmm. the tenenbaum house um and i i think i talked about that in that podcast like where i think my favorite thing about wes is like and i enjoy this movie it's it's probably about a three for me. Um, and that not as a bad thing. Like Chris was saying, a three as like I was, he was almost at a two and a half or a two. I'm saying like this, I'll watch it again. It, it's very enjoyable for me. Um, but it all, all of, Wes Andrew, all of Wes's movies, if I just take it like it's a play at this point, like besides Rushmore, mm-hmm. which is one of my favorites. Um, but if I take the ones going forward, so like Ten of Bombs. Life Aquatic, Grand Budapest, and I take it like as acts of plays, then, like, if I get in that mindset, like each scene has very, like, a very special quality. And I think what I like most about it is each scene, it's like attention to detail. Like, I feel like up to the, like, a knife on a wall or how this computer screen looks uh like yeah or like what equipment they're using like it's all very specific like this is exactly how wes wanted it like he's like super focused on the details and i don't know i can appreciate that and like that's got to take a lot of time and uh, i mean he's got to go kind of crazy He seems like pretty laid back when you see him and in maybe interviews and stuff but i feel like as a director like he might not start a take until everything is perfect and then maybe it's only two takes but it still took three days to get that take
1: yeah, that's one one thing I appreciate about his films is the attention to detail. Um, the his films are kind of, you know, if they're like silly, they're funny. The stories may not always be as solid as say like other movies, but at the same time, his films are just ones I just love to watch because they're just they're always like beautiful. It's almost like it, just the the style, just the cinematography, just how everything is like shot and like the symmetry. And again, it just continues to remind me of, uh, Kubrick, like the, the parallels between these two guys are so similar, even though like the movies themselves are, you know, like are probably on opposite ends of the spectrum, but just the attention to detail and just the, the cinematography, I think there's so many similarities there. And that's why I just enjoy Wes Anderson movies. if, if I know a Wes Anderson movie has come out, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to watch that film, or I'm, i it's a film I'm gonna try to watch and like, at least sit through. It's not something I'm gonna like try to pass on. So,
3: out of curiosity, yeah, he's a rare director yeah. in which I've
0: seen all of them. Now that we watched Bottle Rocket, I hadn't seen that, but now that he's one of probably the only directors
1: I've seen everything he's made. Yeah, I think the only one I haven't seen is um, Isle of Dogs. Is the one I haven't seen yet. Yeah, I I the newest one. So. Either.
3: I was curious. Has anybody um, seen *Knives Out*? Yes, I have. Negative you I have not.
1: No, I have not. Isn't that a Ryan it's, Johnson movie? Yeah, yeah.
2: But I feel it's like it's actually are, on Prime right now for free. It oh, is. Really?
1: Um,
3: I feel like there are so sim- so many similarities in like kind of the campiness and like goofiness of what *Knives Out* is, similar to some of the Wes Anderson movies. But I feel like it didn't impact me or or make me. Like, I didn't feel that, uh, I didn't feel it the same way that I feel like Wes Anderson. There wasn't as much whimsy.
0: Well, is it the unrealism? Is that the whimsy? Like, everything in West, like, obviously in Life Aquatic, there's claymation, you know, animals. There's entire gunfights where Bill Murray's running in guns a-blazing and doesn't get nicked, right? Yeah. Like, Like, really weird things that don't happen in reality. I haven't seen Knives Out. Is that slightly more based in reality?
2: Mm. I'd say no, it's still kind of a story like that, but I don't know, Chris, I don't know for you, is it just honestly the way it's shot, like the videography, like, or?
3: Yeah, I mean, it, um, it certainly could be. I mean, I think the, when I was thinking about how I wanted to articulate um, my thoughts on the the movie today, I think the main thing that I kept going to in the best way that I could articulate it was about style. Like, it's the stylistic choices that Wes makes that I just don't like for most of his movies, um, yeah. So I mean, whether we call that, you know, I don't know.
2: This, I don't know. I think like the cinematic style, like uh, the, so, the mm-hmm. cinematography for it. Let's go back to Oceans and compare much everything to Oceans for Chad. So, like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> Knives Out is like <laughs> Oceans Eleven. The way it's shot, like it feels clean. It feels like it's um, made for the theater or made for like a movie theater to view it in or IMAX. So like, and then. I think that the Wes Anderson movies are shot on 8mm or a VHS tape and are meant to be screened on somebody's garage.
0: Whoa. <laughs> well actually no that's that's a good point that you bring up cuz cuz Chad made a comment that everything looks dated and worn and maybe that's maybe that's part of it is that it's you know with most films they go through editing and then touch-ups and everything where they where they want to make every shot perfect. But I think Wes, part of Wes's style is the, like, realism. Chris, you mentioned that scene of, you know, some dude walked up on stage, put a, a thing of water on the table and walked away. That was there, I think, because that is, that's something that probably would happen in that scenario more often than not. You know, a stagehand would forget to bring something out. So it's like, to me, that's more realistic than, you know, they were framed up for this thing and nothing went wrong because that's not real life. Um, and not to say that I don't like that about movies and, and, you know, movies are supposed to be stories told, you know, with, uh, you know, the perfect scenario and told them, you know, buttoned up like that. But I think maybe that's part of the reason I like some of his style is because, um, I don't know, maybe it's left kind of blemished on purpose.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, how you, you were saying James about movies, like looking like clean or crisp versus being shown on like your garage. <laughs> That's that's me personally. I that cleanness and Christmas is crispness is something that Christmas Christ Crispness <laughs> Christmas Christmas, Christmas. Crisp Advocate Hey I'm saying Chris like crispy crispness.
3: Yeah, Chris Christmas. <laughs> I'm saying Chris crisp like the person
2: Wait, Chrysalis? Like a butterfly? Christmas,
1: Christmas. Advocate.
2: <laughs> Whimsy. I
1: miss Chris. Films that are crisp. Well, anyway, oh, anyway, crisp. back. Th- <laughs> are you talking about chips? Or moving crisp. Or moving moving. Who
0: directed <laughs> this movie?
1: Uh, Jean Wendelson. Are they going to go with Gene Hackman again? Gene- <laughs> throw back to <the>
3: Tenenbaums. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh,
1: S. Wenderson.
3: Jamie, what are your thoughts on this? Where do you fall? on uh on what unlike crisp- the uh, the crispness of crisp this movie. i don't like
1: the crisp movies let me just get back to i just don't like the crisp movies like they just seem too clean and that's i find that distracting so i'm kind of like on the opposite spectrum of say what what, what chris is saying like you get distracted by kind of like the the vibrantness of the colors and just how i you know like everything let's say like you because you're a big fincher fan and like fincher films are super crisp and clean and they're super um you could tell that he like edits the piss out of them you know and like cleans up things with like cgi and um versus Wes does you know everything is just like you said casey it's just kind of it's there he films it he doesn't really add anything to it maybe something with like lighting and filters but that seems about it but i'm not a film expert but yeah, I mean there's probably like some type of like filters that are put over like um like film and post. I'm just talking more of like um like CGI edits versus like like practical. Um and just how like the things in like Wes's movies looked like worn or like you said James like he, you know, takes like the 70s furniture and like you know, tries to repurpose it.
4: Well, and it's a fun exercise that I was just doing right now. And I was trying to think of an answer of imagining this movie, <clears throat> the characters without the beanies. You know, like, did he film the scene with the boat or at the show? It was like, I don't know, this is too dark or too old. We need something to make it pop. What if Team Zisu all wore red beanies? You know what I mean? Or was that his <laughs> idea from the start? I don't know. Oh, that, was, that was totally his idea from the start. You're probably right, it wasn't, Casey.
2: Isn't that like more, kind of like a Jacques Cousteau type situation? With yeah, like, yeah. The outfits. Yeah, I think like the whole was movie was influence. like
0: loosely based as an homage to Jacques Cousteau. I think they said yeah, something in, in the end of I the don't credits, know if you, right? Oh, really? I, I missed that in the end credits. Yeah, I think at the very end they say like dedicated to Jacques Cousteau or something like that. I thought they dedicated it to him or something.
1: Yeah, there was. A, I shared with you guys uh, a, like a trailer for a Jacques Cousteau like film collection, <laughs> and if you watched that, I was like. Man, I don't know if I'm watching Jacques Cousteau or Steve Sissou. So just-
4: that helped me so much just with context, like watching the movie. I was like, what is this? Like, what is this? Where are we going? But then once, once you, I saw that clip you sent, Chad, I was like, Oh, okay. that's yeah. what He was doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now I was going to talk about some of my favorite quotes. The only reason I thought about it is because, uh, Chris, I made me think of it when Chris was talking about there were a few times he laughed out loud. Um, obviously some of my favorite things in, in all media movies and, and TV shows are like throwbacks, right. To other jokes. And I think they do that so well in this movie, um, especially around all the stuff that they steal from Jeff Goldblum and how like it just keeps yeah. coming up. Cause obviously they stole the equipment. It's like the linchpin of their whole, their whole mission. They have to steal that before they can even find the shark. Um, but then uh, it all comes to a, a perfect culmination after they've done the rescue mission—they saved the Bond Stooge, They saved, uh, you know, whatever Allie, Shoot, what is Bill Murray or not Bill Murray? Uh, what's uh, Jeff Goldblum's character's name? Alistair, something or other. Hennessy. After they stole, uh, yeah. or after they rescued him, they're on the ship, and and he's sitting there, you know, bandaged up from his gun moon talking with the Bond Stooge, who you know is just this random throwaway character. Was it the coffee there, machine goes, one? Yeah, he goes, "Is this my <laughs> coffee machine? Where did you get this?" And the Bond Stooge, <laughs> who's like the straight guy, the whole movie just looks at him and goes. We fucking stole it, man. Like, it's one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Just throwaway line. We fucking stole it, man.
1: Yeah, I feel like this this movie is kind of full of like little lines. Like that the one where the the pirates board the ship and uh, Ned's like, "Well, they're the terrorists." He's like, "Uh, here they're called pirates." <laughs> or something like that.
0: Oh, and when the Bond Stooge is, like, talking to him in Portuguese or whatever, um, and he's explaining how they took Ned, um, but they're going to take him now that they found out that, uh, that he, yeah, he, he knew speaks, how to speak. He's, Just he's, the way that yeah. he delivered
2: all that was <laughs>
0: such, like, a straight-laced,
4: <laughs> like, businessman way. It was so good. Speaking of subtitles, there was a weird moment. So I, I rented it on Vudu, and my wife and I were watching it, and the baby was asleep. So we turned on the subtitles, and... I thought it was like a Wes Anderson joke within the movie that the subtitles were completely different to what was the characters were saying on the screen. Cause you could kind of hear it, but it w- it was just like a delay, like a 20 second delay. So we ended up turning them off, but like for like two solid minutes, I was like, Oh my God, it's like a Wes Anderson joke within a joke. Like he went that far <laughs> that the subtitles are completely different, but false alarm after all.
2: God, that that would be great. Somebody, if they haven't already, should definitely do that.
4: Absolutely.
2: Um, my favorite thing was not a quote. It was an action. Um, so it went twofold. Like I, uh, when I was watching the movie, I had to step away. So I saw the movie out in the background and I was listening to it. And then I kind of came back and 20 minutes later, the movie ends. And I'm like, what happened to Owen Wilson's character? I was so confused. Like i was kind of Where what part I missed? So I did have to rewind it. So my favorite action is when, spoiler alert, guys! But when they're in the the helicopter and it starts to go down, and Bill Murray puts his arm across Owen Wilson like you know, like a dad would in the car for their child to be like, "Oh, I'm pressing the brakes." Um, I don't know if anybody else caught that. Like, and I just oh yeah, I I caught that when we watched it too. I was laughing so hard (laughs) when I saw that because it was just such a simple thing, and it was like a one second action, and then it cuts away to you know them going into the ocean or what i was like and that
0: actually leads into one of my favorite subtle details too when it's going down and they show the shot of it approaching the water um you see his shoes do you remember that part where they're like right before it crashes and they're showing it like slowly go down it's like a downward facing shot you can see the little toes of his shoes it's like even that shot in that was a tiny little three second shot um, was framed so perfectly. Like, I would take and print that and make it a, a picture. Like, it just looked really cool. I don't know.
1: Yes.
4: Can I ask Casey a question yeah. who's seen this film many times? Please. It, and I'm wondering if the point is, like, it doesn't matter, but I think it kind of does matter. Is Steve Zisu Owen Wilson's dad? Because there's that oh, scene so you where... you missed that part. Yeah, no, He's he's not. He can't be. Right, right.
0: So she says he shoots blanks. Okay. So, like, that's supposed to be the revelation at the end that, yep, there's no way that he could actually be his dad, but they don't know that. Yeah, I think that was the whole point of that scene. Actually, was just to kind of show that, regardless, through all this, and and uh, obviously they set it up right before then. You know, he goes and dies. Um, but no, I thought that was yeah. That, that, I think that was intentional to say that nope, he's definitely not his dad.
4: Okay. Yeah, I just wanted. What did she say? Like, she. I wasn't sure.
0: Yeah, were, he was talking to, to What's-Her-Face, and she said, you know, didn't she say, like, I'm a scientist, I ran my own experiments or something? So, basically, she says that she ran a count or whatever, but he shoots blanks. So, I guess you could take it or leave it, but I think that was the whole point was to show that, like, throughout all of it, well, I guess, I don't know, maybe Steve himself didn't know that he shot blanks, but he didn't even think enough to, like, double-check it. He just went headfirst into it, you know?
2: Yeah, okay. Speaking but of then they revealed blanks. Just kidding. Uh, he, he can't have kids. <laughs> um no, I, was just euphemism? Gonna, I was just gonna say that uh like one of the fun things i was reading about was uh kate blanchett i guess was actually pregnant um during the filming of oh this. that's and awesome it, but like and so i i just assumed that it was something that maybe was written in like to the script but no instead it was kate was like actually pregnant the character was actually written as a pregnant woman and so wes anderson was like geez kate way to take method to a new level
1: wasn't it that she wasn't pregnant at first then she got she was became pregnant somewhere during the filming of it because like oh, like part of the time she was wearing like a like a prosthetic belly <laughs> like pregnant belly for part of it then the other part was she just used her real prego belly
2: sure i guess i'm not sure on that one but yeah maybe she was actually pregnant just wasn't showing it to the enough for yeah her, like what needed to be on film right
4: yeah. Yeah. I really also wondered cuz oh go ahead James took,
2: I was just going to say it took me a, a, like a double take uh, cuz I was like that's Kate Kate Blanchett right and then because she was talking that like high pitched like little like girl voice and I'm like and it just didn't seem like a Kate at first and then I had to like actually look it up to confirm that that was her uh, I don't know I just it, it threw me off at first
1: Yeah one one thing I want to add before we close this out is um uh, Steve Sisu's like uh, is he <laughs> is he homophobic or just like hates lesbians or he always had like some kind of uh, quip like a few times throughout this film. Yeah, I,
0: it- I noticed that too because you called that out, and I'm actually I'm looking through quotes and I missed this when I watched it. But and I think it's a, to tie it all together to kind of his like uh, being slightly homophobic. But towards the end, um, after they've rescued Jeff Goldblum. Um, he's on the boat talking to, to Bill Murray and talking about, you know, uh, you know reminiscing on life. And, and I remember he said the line, we've never made great husbands, have we? right And, that, and I remember that, but then he, he must drone off and I missed this, but on IMDb it says the quote is, of course, I have a good excuse, I'm part gay. Well, he was calling yeah. him gay the whole movie and it actually comes for cir- full circle and it turns out he was part gay. So I don't know, I think that's kind of funny. That who was part gay? Uh, Jeff Goldblum. Oh. Apparently, that was one of his quotes. Because remember, he was um, Eleanor's first husband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, he's reminiscing with Bill Murray. He says, We never made great husbands. Of course, I have an excuse. I'm part gay. So he, like, just admits that he's part gay. And I think the whole movie, you're thinking Bill Murray's just saying awful things
1: about him. But yeah. He,
0: he wasn't lying.
1: Right. <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah, I remember that line, but I, I didn't catch the the back half of that. Yeah, I didn't catch that Did end you? either. Oh. Now we know. All right. To do final thoughts on the film. Um, again, I really like this movie. I don't think it's like, you know, like the strongest story, but this, I feel like this is still a fun movie to watch. Um, just kind of all the different like all the different, like made up, like sea creatures and animals throughout the film too. Um, I like the little like stop motion additions to it uh, throughout the film, which is kind of starts you see trending more and more in Wes Anderson films as each one um you know is released, which I kinda like. Um yeah, it's just a funny movie. Just I just like the characters like like the made up worlds um in this one and like kinda like the homage to uh John Cousteau, which I watched quite frequently when I was a little kid growing up. But yeah, if I were to rate this I would say it's probably three, three and a half stars out of five, but I would just say it's it's a it's a good movie. It's a fun watch.
0: Yeah, this kind of falls into, again, obviously it's my favorite movie, um, but it falls into my wheelhouse of, of media um, to, to add a little clarity to that. One of my favorite shows on that's ever happened uh, was Scrubs because I thought it was hilarious. I loved every episode, but the reason I liked it so much um, was because it could be funny, but then there were episodes that actually like tugged on your heartstrings and you actually cared about the characters and you got a little bit emotional, um, which I like that you, know, you don't just watch this throwaway comedy stuff that it actually has a little substance to it. And for me, that's, this fits right in there perfectly. Right. It's, it's a throwaway random story about randomness. Um, but in the end, when I watch that submarine scene and you like, you see Steve Zissou, like finally like succumbing to the, the grief that he has from his friend, Esteban dying, his newly found son, Ned dying, um, and all of it. And then being, you know, reunited with the creature that set him on this journey and all these things. And not to mention the song playing, um, that's by one of my favorite bands ever i love that music that whole scene like i cannot watch that without at least tearing up just a little bit so for me the type of stuff that can make you laugh can make you cry a little bit and in the end you enjoyed it like that's my type of thing and that's i think why this is uh you know right up there with me i would give this for me five out of five this goes in my book as a movie that if it were ever on tv and i wasn't doing anything i'd I'd leave the channel i wouldn't turn it i'd sit and watch it that goes with you know ferris bueller blues brothers those types of movies that i would just always have on if they're on i'll watch them because i can watch them over and over and over again
1: excellent really quick too i want to say about that jaguar shark scene at the end it's i i love it too when you get scenes like that that are so like kind of uh what like fantasy or fantastic just totally like doesn't look real but you know with them with the stop yeah. motion but with that music it, it it still pulls like that emotion out of you you know like where it could bring a tear to your eye to your eye so yeah just i just like that that mix and i think just as a director too like he has that ability of great filmmaking cinematography and adding that layer of sound to and pulling it all together to kind well, of Well, and
0: even that scene as he's like going through this emotional thing um there's still lines that i think are hilarious uh the reporter is like asking if he's if they're safe and he just goes i doubt it yeah <laughs> um, and then klaus asks if he wants them to blow it up and he says no but then he just says well we're out of dynamite anyways right. <laughs> so it's like you're in the middle of this big emotional revelatory yeah. scene and he's still kind of cracking one yes. liners so i i love it
3: yes so i can go next um yeah, I think this movie was fine. Um, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, you know, I again, I I thought it was interesting. Um, again, I I just struggle with some of the visuals and, and those kind of pieces. But um, I don't know. Like this is a movie I could watch it again. Take it or leave it. You know, it's not something that I would probably seek out. But if it were on, I would probably watch it. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's it's a movie that is um, not good, not great, just okay.
2: Yeah, I'll go next after Chris. Um, similar similar feeling. It's not about not being uh, not great. I actually really enjoy this movie, but it is just such a, like, yeah, if it's on TV, it's definitely going to be watched um, and or it will just be on in the background. But it, I don't feel like it's a movie that I'm going to seek out on a rainy Saturday. Like what do I need to watch right now? And if it was between this and another movie, I, I bet nine times out of 10, I'm going to choose the other movie. But if it's on in the background already, if I'm flipping through channels in some way, then yes, then I probably would keep it there. Um, But uh, like most West movies, I just visually appealing to me. I enjoy the story enough. And I think, I think it was Jamie earlier that was saying like waiting for the first half hour for things to pick up and then see where things take and you just need to trust Wes in it. And that's, and I feel like I, I've seen enough Wes movies now where I'm like, I feel like there's going to be, um be something at the end that's very satisfying. Like at the very end, I'm going to be happy that I watched this movie um, all the way through. So that's kind of how I feel about it. But so yeah, I'd stick with my like three out of five or so.
4: Yeah, and I guess I come in similarly, I would say, on my first viewing of three, but after finishing, I I felt right away like, oh yeah, I'm going to want to watch this again at least two or three times, you know, not right away, but I like the characters, I think there's more going on there than I probably picked up on the first time, so, like to see that, really love the pulled back Bill Murray, um, he was great, really funny, um, and god, like, Chad like you and Casey said I love that the Jaguar shark actually delivered that final scene was great because with movies like this you never know like the proverbial Moby Dick are we actually going to see the thing or is it just going to be like a metaphor for man's search on the sea or some bullshit like that so I was really glad that we actually did get to see the Jaguar shark and it was as cool as I thought it would be.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Movie Time Machine. I look into Wes Anderson's life aquatic um let you know our episodes drop every friday come check us out um if you like what you hear just want to drop us a message you can find us on twitter at movie machine pod you can find us on all your favorite podcasting platforms thank you for listening and goodbye